923 and AM 1620. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Willie Diaz. Hope you are having a wonderful Saturday out there. Uh, I just got my first COVID vaccine shot the other day, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm hoping that this means that we are uh, getting closer and closer to the uh, the end of this whole thing, and we can get back to doing lots of fun things and seeing each other, maybe even, you know, give us give each other the occasional hug or handshake, that sort of thing. Be nice. Be good to have that uh, that human contact again. But uh, until then, we've got the audio contact for you on the radio here. And we are, once again, this is the last week you're going to hear us talking about this, unfortunately, at least as, as, a, as a regular thing. It, it, you know, I'm not going to say it's never going to come up in conversation again. But uh, we have reached the end of WandaVision, which means that we have reached the end of our WandaVision recap discussions that we've been doing every week during the show. And we're going to take the whole show this week to talk about not just the the season and probable series finale. We'll talk about a little bit about that uh, a little further into the show. Uh, but uh, just to kind of recap the you know everything that we've gone through with this entire series, and with us the whole way through this this wonderful journey that we've taken on Disney Plus, uh, joining us once again from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube. Please welcome Jeremy Branch. Julio, we have been assembling week after week, and we are in the end game now. And I've been really enjoying the conversations. And man, I can't wait to dive into this. It, it seems like we've been talking about it for an age. Okay, did we get them all? Did we get them all in? Did we get all the Avengers I movies? I think we in caught there? them. Okay, <laughs> no, no, wait, we didn't have a. We, we, it's been an infinity that we've been oh, talking yeah. about this. We got to get that in there mm. too. So yeah, now okay, we got all the Avengers movies in there. So yeah. The, if for some reason there's somebody tuning in today that a has never heard the show before, first of all, shame on you. But second of all, doesn't know that WandaVision is related to the Avengers movies and the, the Marvel cinematic universe as we know it. Well, you know, okay, we're, we're here to teach you. That's okay. It's a teaching right. moment. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so we are going to be getting into complete discussion. I, I will put up several spoiler warnings throughout the, uh, the course of the show, I'll try to remember to, to do one every time we come back from break just to kind of keep people, you know, in the loop that, yeah, we're going to be talking about the show in detail. We will talk about things that happened in the final episode. I know that uh, Marvel is making a big move to to ask people to not spoil the show. They put out some PSAs with uh, with Randall Park and with Kat Dennings and some of the other actors that are that are part of the show. They did, they did a wave of media appearances this week with Paul Bettany and with Elizabeth Olsen, who are the stars of the show, uh, you know, kind of getting out there, Hey, this is the finale. And also getting out there, Hey, you know, don't spoil it for people. Don't ruin their fun. Uh, I think it's interesting too, because you know, getting the word out there that this is the last episode. I think what they're trying to do there from a strategic standpoint is get all those people that have said, well, I'm just going to wait and watch the whole thing. I'm going to binge it, which I'll say again, Jeremy, I think is a mistake because I think half of the fun of the show has been the the anticipation and the discussion every week. Couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times in the past, it's it's a water cooler show and we've been needing one of those. It's given us content as well. So like it's a win for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I guess the last one, the last one that I felt that we've had nationally was Game of Thrones. 
which absolutely is, it's been a couple of years now since Game of Thrones ended. And that felt like the last show that people were watching weekly and they were just discussing every week, eagerly anticipating the next episode and, uh, you know, hypothesizing about what was going to happen and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's been, what, a year and a half since Game of Thrones ended, give or take? It feels, yes, it it feels, like, it feels like eight or nine years at this point. Yeah, um, and I, I would actually like to circle back around to that. Maybe now's a good time, but I was going to ask you: Do you do you think that binging it is going to, uh, you know, diminish the viewing experience for people? Though, like you just said, you and I prefer to watch it week to week. Do you think the people that jump in at the end are going to enjoy it like we did? Do you think there's going to be less? Because I know that expectations play a major factor in whether or not you're going to enjoy the way they stuck the landing and. I'm going to be honest, you and I have talked, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop with Marvel, and it still hasn't happened yet. So uh, with that said, do you feel like all of these uh, kind of theories and fan building, same with Game of Thrones, do you think that that uh, kind of messes up the experience, or for you, do you enjoy that? Well, I think think you've got two different questions there, and I'll, I'll address the first one first. I, I know a number of people that have only started watching WandaVision in the past couple of weeks. So they've watched six, seven, eight episodes binged and and then are, are just catching up with the final episode or the final couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. So and, and they all seem to really enjoy it. So I, I don't think it's Good. taken too much. I think it's taken. A, I think what it's robbed them fr- from is six weeks of discussion and excitement. But it doesn't seem to have robbed them from the enjoyment of what's actually on the screen. So th- there's mm-hmm. that. Uh, and those are different experiences, to be completely honest. You know, the 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 anticipation experience is not necessarily the experience of watching what you're watching on the screen. And it's easy to conflate them. And it's you know almost impossible not to really if you're watching on a weekly basis. It, you know, it, it drives you of what you feel about you're excited about the show. But it's. When you go back, if you go back and watch this again, like you like you might, like those of us who do go back and rewatch beloved shows do. I don't think it's going to play any less good. Right. It, yeah. I think that's a good point for, for that to sound the, the way that it sounds. Now the, the, the issue of expectations and theories and ideas that you build up in your head about how things are going to go. I think that that is, uh, that is something that plays into every show like this. I think every the reason you you see you see so many people complain that show long running shows with the intricate plots don't stick the landing is not that they don't stick the landing, it's that they don't tell the story that you've imagined in your head. Mm, that's exactly right. You know, I, I think I think that's true of Game of Thrones in particular. There's so many people that are down on the end of Game of Thrones. And I, other than maybe thinking maybe that I wish the series had been just a little longer to uh, to maybe, you know, get, provide a little more space in the storytelling in that final season. I, I don't think that it went in a direction that I think was out of character for anybody or that didn't tell, you know, a plausible story within that world. Because, I mean, we are talking about a world where there's magic and dragons and things like that. So plausible is, you know is a kind of a moving target, but, uh, sure. you know, I, I think that that was a big part of people's disappointment with the end of game of Thrones was they had built up a different expectation in their head. You also had in that particular case, you had the situation of 
there being a book series that the series ended up getting out ahead of. So them feeling like maybe they weren't getting the real ending, quote unquote, despite the fact that, you know, Game of, Game of Thrones had certainly changed things along the lines from the books in several places. So yeah, I have a dear friend, Alex, who's similar, like he uh, took Paul Bettany's statement about this massive uh, cameo that was going to appear in the end. And I think he set the bar very, very high for what that surprise was going to be, especially coming on the tail of, of the Mandalorian. And I'm kind of like, you set yourself up, dude. You can't, you can theorize. And I mean, you and I have had a blast doing that. Sometimes we were right. Sometimes we were wrong. But I think you and I are also both people that trust the storytellers to tell the story that they want to tell and to not impose our own expectations onto them. Yeah. And we'll get a little bit more into that cameo a little later in the show too. Uh, but you know, just going back to that whole question, there are any number of shows that I could point at that I think the same thing is true. The, uh, how I met your mother is a big one. People just built up in their heads what they expected the ending of that show was going to be. And when it wasn't, when it was the creators sticking to their original vision of the show, they, uh, they did not like that. You know, I, I still think it's one of the most brilliant shows in, in, TV history, and I think the ending is perfect, but a lot of people don't feel that way. Lost, another great example. Great uh, example. You, you know, and that, that's the show that I've been comparing WandaVision to all along in that feeling of anticipation and suspense. Uh, but, you know, there's there's any number of them. Chuck is another one. There's a lot of people that hated the finale of Chuck. I loved it. You know, at some point, it's what's on the screen and not what you built up in your head. But uh, we'll that's get right. we'll get into more details after the break. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking about WandaVision with Jeremy Branch of the Movies Are Terrible channel. And I cannot believe, Jeremy, 
we got into the finale of this series, and I didn't think to play one vision by Queen before now. What? The, what? The? I cannot believe it. That was so perfect, and it works now. I mean, you you saved it for the finale, so I say kudos to you, Julio. Well, I, I may I, I may I have an idea up my sleeve where we can do nothing but Queen for the bumper music today. I definitely know we're going to do at least one more. So, uh, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Cause Queen is one of my all time favorite bands. So anytime I can have an excuse to, uh, to hear Freddie Mercury's voice, maybe the greatest singer that ever lived, I'm going to take advantage of that for sure. Uh, so, so, uh, to get back into it, we are, we are talking about WandaVision and I want to go ahead and remind people, spoiler warning in full effect. We are going to be talking in detail about the finale of WandaVision and the entire series of WandaVision. So, uh, you know, you have been warned. Spoilers uh, will ensue. You know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, just hit pause and go watch the whole series if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, you know, we can wait the, uh, what is that, uh, about 30 minutes an episode, nine episodes. So that's what, uh, four and a half hours? Four and a half, yeah. Know, give or take. Uh, so, yeah, we, we can wait for you. We'll, 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 we'll wait patiently. It's okay. We've got beverages. I think we're, we'll be fine. But... Uh, you know, if you're listening live on Saturday, of course, you know, I don't want to tell you to tune, to tune away from News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Uh, so, you know, just cover your ears if we get to something that you want to hear, I guess. Or <laughs> leave the radio on, but turn the volume down for, you know, a, a second or two so we can get past that. But, yeah, does, I, I've given you plenty of warning now as we're, we're several minutes into the segment. Spoilers are in effect. So uh, let, let's get to it. Um where where should we start, Jeremy? There's a lot to unpack in this episode. And there's a lot to unpack with the the entirety of the series. But I, I think uh, I think I think we should maybe start with unpacking all the things that people were sure were going to happen that they were guaranteed that they were sharing stories from dubious sites on the internet that were confirming that this that or the other was going to happen that uh, did not happen. Yeah, I think I that's think, a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, so we're not necessarily, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in spoiler territory, but we're not in hard spoiler territory. So we're giving people a chance to ease into it. Uh, so among the things that, that did not happen, uh, we, we talked before the break about Paul Bettany teasing a big cameo uh, that uh, that I don't think he said it this way, but the Internet certainly said it this way, that it was going to be a Luke Skywalker level cameo. That, uh, you know, for and that reference being to Luke, uh, Luke surprisingly showing up in the last episode of The Mandalorian that aired, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be another season, but the last episode of season two, uh, which was a big surprise that they'd kept under sea under under wraps, and you know, all of a sudden, hey, look at that, we know that guy. Uh, so so that happened, and then when Paul Bettany said there's a big cameo coming up of an actor that he's always wanted to work with. And, uh, you know, the Internet took that and ran with it. And that was the, the phrase I kept seeing everywhere was Luke Skywalker level cameo. So there was a little bit of speculation. Is it going to be Doctor Strange? Is it going to be Captain Marvel? I was I'm not going to say I was confident, but I did have a suspicion that they were going to throw a cameo and it was going to be Benedict Cumberbatch, despite the fact that they had worked together before. But I just felt narratively it would work. Well, I thought that was a big possibility, but there was also a lot of speculation about it being someone other than Evan Peters from the, the Fox X-Men universe. Yes. 
There was, you know, just a number of pieces of speculation about various actors. I saw a really good one in the last week that we hadn't talked about before, which was uh, somebody guessing that it was going to be Dick Van Dyke. And tying Wait into the whole sitcom side of it, because they actually did talk to Dick Van Dyke, the 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 direct the showrunner for the show and Kevin Feige went and had lunch with Dick Van Dyke at the uh, the you know the famous Club 33 at, at Disneyland and had like a, a consulting meeting with him talking about you know what made the Dick Van Dyke show work and that sort of thing so there it was known out there that they'd met with him and that he'd provided some insight into how to to go forward on the show so somebody was out there it was uh, Drew McWeeny I believe it was was speculating, hey, maybe they've stuck Dick Van Dyke in there and maybe they're going to use, you know, that famous Marvel de-aging technology that they've been using mm. to to have him playing, you know, Rob Petrie, which which would have been really interesting, but that was not the cameo either. So we had all this speculation and all this guesswork and all this, you know, people getting themselves tied up in knots. And then, you know, when, when Evan Peters showed up and then they said, oh, no, that's not what we were talking about. People got themselves so super hyped. And then uh, Thursday, uh, right before the episode dropped, Paul Bettany went on Good Morning America and told everybody, uh, yeah, I, I, I meant me. I'm playing two roles. I've, I've always wanted to work with myself. It was supposed to be a joke, and it got out of hand. Uh, so, so the cameo was, in fact, White Vision, who we saw, actually saw at the very end of Episode 8 in the cutscene. And uh, then saw, you know, in full effect in this episode, uh, which I thought was really great. You know, put aside, you know, the expectations that were built up about this cameo or whatever. I think Paul Bettany gets by on that with, you know, just sheer charm. Uh, you know, Man, I, I could not agree more. I'm not, I'm not holding so it against good. him. I'm not holding that against no. him. Um, no, definitely not. But then we got to see this this big battle between two visions and we you know what we was introduced in the and at the end of the previous episode was the white vision if you know your comics you know that at one point uh the vision was completely disassembled and he was put to get back together but he lost some of his programming which caused him to go completely white it also caused him to lose his emotions and his uh his connection to wanda and so they played off of that but you've got two versions of the vision running around because that is the vision's body that, that he's always had that we saw, you know, perish in uh, Avengers infinity war. And then the other vision was, as it turned out, a creation of Wanda within the, within the hex, within Westview. And he was kind of the, the spirit and the love. And there's a great scene in this episode where she talks about what he is, where, she, where he asks what, what he is. Yeah. And she tells him, you know, you are my, you are, you are my grief and you are this and that, but mostly you are my love. And so you see that emotional side of vision first physically fighting with the white vision, who is the, the physical side of the vision, but the way they did that fight and the way they resolved it was just so quintessentially vision. It was just so quintessentially that character that I loved it. I'm glad you touched on this particular scene because like watching them fly around and pummel each other, super cool. It looked fantastic, especially considering we're watching it on television and, and not in the movie theater. We typically don't see that kind of budget, but yes, the, the kind of existential discussion that they have about the um, uh, replacing the boards and uh, which parts were 
was it still the same structure after they had replaced all the boards or what about the rotting parts of it? And that whole conversation was just so good. And you've mentioned it a couple of times, Paul Bettany's performance in this show. I feel like it's him and Elizabeth Olsen that ground this thing. And I loved all the spectacle, but it's the little quiet moments with the characters that, that really uh, hit me the most. And it, it did kind of remind me of the Ultron vision conversation at the end of Age of Ultron. However, seeing, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin, I guess for lack of a better word, and you said it really well just now, you've got the physical versus the, the mental, and I thought that they pulled that off just incredibly well. Yeah, well, having that battle culminate in a philosophical debate between the two characters was just... It was just perfect. It, it, that is the core of that character to me. And to, to yes. get that right. Every time we talk about any of these adaptations of things coming from comics or, or from any other sources, but comics is a big one for me. And people say, what do you want to see? What's, you know, they get upset about little changes or they get upset about, you know, if they make the character a different race or whatever. I don't care about any of that. What I want to see is getting the spirit of the character right. And that is absolutely what they did in this moment. Not that they hadn't gotten the spirit of the vision right before this. I think they absolutely had. But that right there was just like, okay, I get this character. I understand this character. Hey, world, this is who the vision is. And yeah. I, I just thought it was great. And I thought it was daring in a, in a you know, in a universe where you are known for spectacular visuals and big clashes big physical clashes to have that as a key moment in the in the episode was just uh you know just wonderful and i i can't say anything else that's nice enough about it i'm glad you touched on that specifically i want to hit you with one more theory if we have a chance do yeah. we have time before the break okay uh, quickly uh, we may have to talk about it after the break but go ahead sure agatha the big bad is it going to be mephisto is it going to be nightmare is it going to be agatha or is it going to be wanda and we saw how it played out, and it ended up that, uh, well, for the time being, that Agatha is the big antagonist. So uh, how do you feel about that? Well, I'd, I'd say there's two things that are going on there, and I think we'll probably talk about this a little more in depth after the break. But I would say that Agatha is the villain. She is the enemy, but she's not the only evil here. But the, the, the other evil is, is Wanda, and it's unintentional. It's that she, yeah, that's that she, didn't, really good that she didn't realize she was doing it. And uh, let's get into that a little bit more after we come back from the break. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. A kind of magic. One dream, one soul, one prize, one goal. One golden glance of what should be it's a kind of magic. One shot of life that shows the way. No mortal man can win this day. It's a kind of magic. The bell that rings inside your mind. Oh, 
Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking about WandaVision with Jeremy Branch. I just, the Queen comes on, and I don't want to start talking. I just want to listen to listen to Freddie. I just I love that song. I can't believe that's another one that I hadn't thought about playing in all these weeks that we've been talking about WandaVision because uh, it's just so, so there and so obvious. But uh, there we are. Yeah, another strong needle drop. I'm a I'm a big fan of the of the Queen as well. <laughs> well, we're 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 gonna do we're gonna keep it all Queen. I got I got another one up my sleeve for the last uh, the last segment here in a little bit. But let's get back to what we were talking about before the break, and that was uh, you know all the speculation about about there being another villain or or there being some some other big Marvel bad, and uh, Mephisto is the name that's come up the most often. But I've I've heard people say. Kathan, I've heard people say Dormammu, I've heard people say Mojo to take it in a completely mm-hmm. different direction. Uh, you know, who's going to be the ultimate bad guy here? And uh, well, it's uh, it's kind of twofold. Yes, Agatha Harkness is was ind- indisputably the antagonist and the villain. Uh, if there, you know, in in so much as there was a villain to this, but uh, but certainly what Wanda did was you know a kind of a kind of evil in and of itself albeit an un- unintentional evil you know she didn't realize that she was harming all of these people that she had caught within her within her hex to to build this perfect life with with vision and her kids uh until the very end of this episode where uh, somebody is broken out and it ends up being dotty who's broken out of it and is, is the first to, to come to her and, you know, beg for her children. And this, you know, huge, intense emotional scene. And I thought it was really interesting, too, because Dottie is a character around who there's been a lot of speculation and, and who I in particular have speculated about as possibly being a bigger bad in disguise or some other character. Uh, given Going back to Agnes in the second episode saying Dottie is the key to everything in Westview. And the whole the devil's in the she details. Say that. Yeah, the devil's hmm. in the details. Uh, you know, and and you know, and that's not the only place he is. You know, there was some, there was some big red herrings thrown Dottie's way, and I was buying into it because I thought, you know, Emma Caulfield Ford being cast. You know, she's a character. She's an actress who's known for playing some of those kinds of roles where there's multiple sides to them. There had been stories out in the press that Kevin Feige had to sign off on her being cast specifically. So it's like, oh, well, you know, why would the head of Marvel Studios be signing off on this odd supporting character? The, so there was there was a lot of a lot of hints dropped that there was more to Dottie. And I was there for it. I, you know, that was that was my big pet theory that didn't come come true was that Dottie was something or someone else. Either she was you know, Mephisto or she was Cathan or then another side of that that I heard floating around out there was that maybe she was Clea. Who, uh, if you know your Doctor Strange comics, Clea is was a longstanding love interest of Doctor Strange and also a powerful sorceress in her own right. And she's platinum blonde. It would have fit. Uh, so you know, I, I expected when, especially when she showed up in the end, and she was the one that's being snapped out. I was like, okay, something's we're gonna get a reveal here. We got a reveal here, but the reveal is that, well, Wanda really screwed up. Yeah, and that worked for what the story that they were telling here. Better than it would have worked if it had been, hey, here's Mephisto, here's, you know, some big overarching bad guy that we're going to see in in 10 more Marvel movies coming up. 
you know, I, this, this story was about grief and it was about loss and it was about love. And that, that w- worked within this, that what Wanda did in her desperation without realizing she was hurting somebody horrified her. And it was what gave her the strength, I think, to, to snap out of it and go on for her to realize yeah, that she had to make things right. Uh, it does. Uh, on the back of what you just now said about Kevin Feige and the character of Dottie, that that does leave some questions. However, maybe it was them leading breadcrumbs down a wrong trail so that we would we would follow it away from the past. But um, I, I wasn't aware of a couple of the things that you said in regards to that character. It does sort of uh, open up some some questions as far as that goes. But I was completely happy with the fact that they kept it focused on, as you said, this is a story about Wanda and a story about vision. And when you do start opening so many different doors and introducing a villain that we've never seen up until the final episode, I feel it would have kind of dulled the emotional impact and it would have had people thinking about what's next instead of, you know, living in this moment and, and being in this story. So, uh, that was one reveal I was, you know, super happy about. And then the other uh, that kept coming up is this guy named Ralph. Uh, uh, this the guy husband named Ralph. Ralph who, Agatha, yeah. Uh, Agatha's husband, Ralph. And I kept being like, there is no Ralph. Who is this Ralph guy? And then we find out it's Evan Peters. So does that mean that he isn't Peter at all or Pietro at all? And he's just some dude that was in Westview? Wait a minute. Was uh, yes, it, yes. First of all, let's let's go back to that. That was another big big fan theory. Was oh, here's Evan Peters. This is the introduction of the Fox X Men universe into the Marvel yes. Cinematic Universe. Nope, <laughs> did not happen. Nope. Red total red herring. Just let's let's have fun and get everybody talking by getting Evan Peters to play this role. But it's not uh, it's not what you think it is. And I'm perfectly good with that. Uh, we can bring in the X-Men at another time. It was fun. It worked. Uh, but yeah, he was revealed in this episode when he was, uh, when he had Monica captive that he was just a regular guy and apparently an actor because he had headshots with his name on (laughs) lying around. But was that character named Ralph? He was, he was, uh, Monica says it to him. You're Ralph. Okay. So then, yeah. So, he doesn't end up being one of the great unseen TV characters that we've seen in so many sitcoms. He's not, uh, you know, Norm's wife, Vera, or or Wilson next door at the uh, at the the Taylor's house in Home Improvement or anything like that. He's sure we we get to see him on character. So that I didn't realize that they'd close the close the bow on that uh, on that particular reference. So that's great, good to, good to know, because there are a number of other things like that that we didn't see see closure on, and I'm kind of okay with it. But one of them, going back to the very, uh, I guess the second or third, I think it's the third episode, is the, is the one, first one where Jimmy Woo showed up. When Jimmy Woo, Woo showed up, he was there because of a missing person that was somebody that was in the witness protection program. We never found out who that was. And this person was in Westview? Yes, supposedly. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so we, I wonder who that could be. We never found out who that was. Uh, all the, the big talk about, uh, Monica's friend, the, the, um, the aerospace engineer that was going to be able to build this big device for her. And everybody was speculating, Oh, it's going to be Reed Richards. It's going to be Hank McCoy. It's going to be, yes. you know, all these characters that we, we haven't seen in the Marvel cinematic universe yet. 
eh, it was just some girl, some woman. And again, I'm all right with that as well. Yeah. Like it, to what you said and what we mentioned earlier, it's, it's the storytellers that are going to tell the story. And then, of course, we're going to fill in the blanks. But yes, people were asking a lot. They're like, they're going to introduce the the biggest characters in the MCU all in this series. And I, I feel like they offered us a whole, whole lot and they opened up the world and we got introduced to witchcraft and, and many things that we haven't seen in the MCU up to this point. So like they had a lot of plates spinning in the first place. And I, I feel like they just, they pulled it off really well. Um, to your point about open plot threads, I do feel there was a couple, but it's the MCU, so we know that a lot of the threads are going to carry over. I do feel maybe Monica got a little bit of a short shrift, but I do also believe we'll be seeing her in the future. Well, we know that we know that she's going to be in Captain Marvel too, right? And we we of course we had a, a mid credit scene even in this episode that alluded to that, where she's taken aside and uh, by by an agent who turns out to be a scroll. And mm-hmm. says, you know, a friend of your mom sent me. He wants to meet with you up there. And so that's clearly referring to Nick Fury being on the scroll, scroll ship that we saw at the end of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. And, you know, so it, it's clearly setting up things that are to come. And that's that's fine. I'm good with that. I think that worked. We got to see Monica in action. We got to see some of her powers. We got to see her coming into her own. And I think that's awesome. And this show did a great job of planting seeds that are going to go forward in, into the Marvel Universe. We know that Wanda is next going to be seen in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We know that that last, there's, and for those who didn't notice, yes, there's a mid-credits and an end credit scene in this episode, so stay through all the way this time through those credits. That that end credit scene is certainly setting up what's to come in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. What uh, the hell was that, Julio? Like, what happened there? Well, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Wanda is making everybody believe one thing while she's doing another one, and uh, I, whether that's going to be a source of conflict or 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 what is yet to be seen uh, in uh, next year in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and maybe some clues in, in Spider Man No Way Home as well, uh, which is looks to be multiversal as well. Uh, we'll get into some more some more of that when we come back from the break. We've got to take our last break here. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 923 and AM 1620. Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking with Jeremy Branch about the finale of WandaVision. And it all comes down to love. It, it, it really does. I mean, that's the show was about grief, but there, we had this great line uh, a couple episodes back where Vision says, what is grief but, the, but love that perseveres? And that that has been like the big takeaway, I think, for a lot of people from this show. And that is one of those lines that's going to persist throughout uh, 
that's just going to, people are going to cling to that. That's a line you're going to be hearing for years and years and years as people keeping referring back to that. Just brilliant writing there. Uh, but that's what it was really all about. That's what caused Wanda to do what she did. That's what motivated Wanda through everything. Uh, it was her grief and her love. And and that's what this series was really all about. Yes, agreed. I think they uh, not just the writing is brilliant, but the delivery of it as well. I mean, as we mentioned a couple breaks back or a couple before a couple breaks, that uh, it really is the the performances of those two leads of Wanda and Vision and the the love story between them, which is crazy that the best love story in the MCU, and I know this is totally subjective, is between a witch in a robot and it works so incredibly well so uh yeah i agree and that that line is great what i wanted to ask you before the break in, in regards to that post credit scene is uh i kind of interpret it as wanda had separated herself the physical from the mental uh in regards to the analogy about vision uh in that earlier scene it's like do you think that she was projecting an image of herself outside the cabin in case like she was being surveilled, but that actually behind the scenes, she was, you know, going through the dark hold or did you, I mean, how did you read that? That's exactly how I read it. She's projecting an, an image of, she wants to be left alone. She's just chilling out. Nothing's happening, but she's actually finally learning magic rather than just acting intuitively. And when and we, is that going to lead her down a dark path? It may, it may not. I mean, that remains to be seen, and we will see it next year in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, coming to cinemas near you. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think that she has realized that there was a pl place where Agatha was right, and that's what's so great about a lot of the stuff in these Marvel movies is a lot of times the bad guys are right. You know, yes. you know Killmonger and Black Panther, he had a point. You know, he, yeah. he he wasn't totally wrong. And even some of Loki's stuff, when, when you know, some of Loki's stuff is, you know, maybe it's a little bit manipulative and, you know, whatever, but he's got some points in there. Even Thanos, there's people that think Thanos had a point. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are sick, sad people. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, there's been this thing throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe of, well, you know, maybe they're don't, doing this wrong, but they're not wrong totally. Agatha's not totally wrong. You know, Scarlet Witch right. is running around with no training and not really knowing the, the extent of her power and what she's doing. Uh, you know, whether, whether that means that she should have all of her power and get to run rampant, maybe not. Uh, you know, would I like to see at some point some redemption for that character and her, and her to move into more of a role like she's had in the comics where she is an ally and a tutor to, to Wanda? I would love to see that eventually because I want to see Catherine Hahn back. And I, I'm glad yep. that they did not kill her off. Uh, spoiler, mm -hmm. Spoilers here again, guys. Uh, I, I'm glad they did not kill her off. I love the punishment that Wanda came up for her. And you can just, yeah. you can see it behind the surface in those last scenes where she's forced it back into the nosy neighbor role. But you can see that it's, it's hurting her. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Catherine yeah, Hahn just does this little subtle thing with her performance there where, you know, she's kind of gritting her teeth against it, but she's still, you know, on the surface giving you what you've expected from this goofy Agnes character. Uh, I, I think it's a very just punishment for her, and I think it leaves the door open for her to come back in one form or another somewhere down the line. And I want to see that happen because I don't want us to have seen the last of Catherine Hahn in that role. 
And you had mentioned to me a couple of weeks back that um, Ag- Agatha Harkness was actually a mentor or a tutor, as you just now mentioned. And I think they were able to cleverly weave a little bit of that in, as you mentioned, uh, her having a good point. She also did teach Wanda a lot about herself. So I feel like they were kind of able to split the difference and say, yes, moving forward, they could have a uh, more of an ally type relationship. Well, there was um, the bit too with, with Wanda casting the runes and outright saying, you taught me that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Good point. Yeah, you know, that's so, absolutely so, right. So it's there. And I, I what I would love is for this character to have an arc like Loki has had, where mm. where there is redemption for the character and the character becomes like an anti-hero rather than, rather than just a villain. Yeah, I like that. And like you said, Catherine Hahn has been great. One thing that I noticed at the end I wanted to ask you about, maybe I'm reading too far into this, and that's possible because I've done that a bunch in my life, but uh, did Wanda's costume at the end look a whole hell of a lot like Magneto's costume from the end of X-Men Apocalypse? Uh, oh, God, you mean you were going to make me remember X-Men Apocalypse? Recall it. Think deeply uh, about the best X-Men movie ever released. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So if we're talking about first class, then I, I'm happy to go back and remember that. But <laughs> I am not so happy to go back and remember Apocalypse. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I only saw it once uh, when it was first released, so I don't re- recall for sure. I, I'm sure that there could be some allusions to it in that, but I really like the costume, and I really hope they're going to continue it's a little more comic booky than some of the marvel cinematic universe costumes that we've seen but they've kind of been consistently moving more and more comic booky with the costumes and i'm I'm very good with that yeah no i'm i'm Mm -hmm. I'm very happy with that uh the other bit that we got to talk about about the the post-credit scene is that the very last bits of dialogue in the in the show are not from wanda they're not from vision they're from one of the kids begging for help yeah. Off screen. So I, you know, we've, we've thought all along that we probably weren't going to see the last of Tommy and Billy, even though it looked very much like we did when, when the Westview hex was collapsed and, you know, Wanda lost everything again, but Tommy and Billy are apparently still out there somewhere. And that's good because we know in the comics, they, uh, as teenagers become the heroes, Wiccan and speed and become part of the Young Avengers. And I think we're leading up to Young Avengers showing up at some point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's too many characters floating around out there that that have connections to the Young Avengers. You know, in addition to uh, to Billy and Tommy, we've got uh, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye coming up in the Hawkeye series, who's going to be played by Haley Steinfeld. We've got America Chavez is going to debut in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. We've got... Uh, some rumors that Patriot may show up in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, which is going to start in just a couple of weeks. Uh, so that's that's another member of the Young Avengers. We've already seen Cassie Lang, who becomes the hero stature in uh, two Ant-Man and the Wasp movies and now uh, was also in uh, Avengers Endgame. And we will see again in Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania uh, sometime in the next uh, couple of years. So, you know, a lot of these characters are floating around out there that go on to become the Young Avengers. And then we've got a Ms. Marvel series coming up, too. She was not a Young Avenger, but she is young. At one point, she does become an Avenger, and she could certainly be mixed in with that group of characters without it, you know, being a big thing. 
you know, I, I think we're, we're clearly building to that. And I think we have not seen the last of Tommy and Billy. I think we're going to probably see them in Doctor Strange, too. Uh, what form that's going to take remains to be seen. But I, I'm, I'm encouraged and eager to see that. I love those characters. I love the Young Avengers characters. It was a great comic book. And uh, seeing those characters come to the big screen would be great, especially given some of the talent that's, uh, that's lined up already. I'm particularly interested to see Haley Steinfeld as, as Kate Bishop because she's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, I think she's brilliant, and uh, and she, I think she'd be perfectly cast for that role. So I'm very eager to see that. That's Hawkeye's daughter. She's not his daughter. Uh, she, but she's uh, she is the second Hawkeye. Okay, okay. And then I thought uh, I thought Miss Marvel was America Chavez. Is that not right? Or, no, those are two different characters. I don't know what her name is. Those are two different okay. characters. America Chavez, or I guess has occasionally been known as Miss America. But uh, but really is mainly known as America Chavez as a completely separate okay. character from Ms. Marvel. Uh, so, okay. you know, there, there's lots, but, you know, we're running running low on time here, Jeremy. And I just want to get your kind of final, your final judgment on this series. Is this brilliant or, or what, how, give me your final thoughts. Real quick, I'm just going to sum it up by saying there were so many different disparate elements, if you ask me, science fiction to horror, to fantasy. They, as I mentioned, juggling so many plates, and yet they managed to pull it off. I, I'm i not uh, critical of the MCU, but I'm always just a little bit, you know, worried that the, there's going to be a time when they overplay their hand and there's just too much going on. But because of the characters, because of the performances, they were able to continuously reel it back into that emotional center and that's why I come down on the side of it was exceptional. You know, uh, if I was going to quantify it out of five, I would say it's <laughs> I would say it's probably a four and a half for me. I think that's very fair. I would really like to see this get some serious consideration from the Emmys next year uh, with oh, that'd be great. Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen and Catherine Hahn certainly all deserve uh, nominations. Now, are we going to see more of this? That remains to be seen. The show was hugely successful, but right now they're not developing a second season. But we're going to see these characters go on for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we still have a vision, a vision, at the end of this uh, that's going to be floating around out there too. You know, we will certainly continue in the universe, although we're going to be moving on to other topics from here. Uh, Jeremy, it's been great having you on every week talking about this show. I've enjoyed it so much. And uh, look for we'll talk about it again more in the future for sure, and including uh, maybe on the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube very soon. Absolutely. After you guys get finished wrapping up this video, if you want even more conversations, check out Movies Are Terrible on YouTube. Me and Juliero are going to be taking fan questions uh, in regards to the show, so we're just going to have a big group discussion, and you'll be able to find it afterwards. All right. Until next week, you're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.